Hello and welcome to Under London's Ground, the podcast by archaeologists who love London and all the weird, wonderful, amazing and quirky things that have happened here. I'm Paul Duncan McGarrity and with me is Amy. She's a celiac, celiac Atkins. And if you think it's being cruel pointing that out, then I would have more time for being sensitive to her dietary needs if she hadn't just... Eaten a picnic bar. Eaten a picnic bar! <laughs> without so th- checking to see what was in it. So today I ate a picnic bar and I was like, at the end I was like, mmm, that was really, that was really crispy and crunchy. Mm. Oh, right um, And my Ooh. friend was like, um, your eating process needs to be step one, is it tasty? Step two, if tasty, check packet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's real fun. You holding it together? I'm doing all right, actually, but if we need to pause for me to vomit, don't be alarmed. Lovely job. We are here to share some of our favourite facts about London's history. Uh, we've given each other the headlines of those facts, but we haven't told each other the meat of those facts until we uh, meet of those facts face to face. Nice. Thank you. Nice job. Thank you very much. Um, so welcome to episode eight, On the Streets and Under the Thames. <laughs> nice. Thank you. I, you're only giggling because I did lots of hand motions yeah, that did. no one else will see. <laughs> so, do you want to um, no, rock this Casbah? Because you're on the streets. What? So you come first. Oh, I went first last time. <laughs> Amy Atkins. See. Si. You. <laughs> you must have used a pavement. <laughs> Many times. Many Paul. times. Now, pavements are a very old invention. Correct. 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 Um, they've been around since Rome. Yeah, Roman, Roman towns. Romans towns. and all that sort of stuff. Um, however, the idea of uniform, organised pavements in London has a very peculiar origin. Oh, my favourite. I know. Um, so you would get uh, medieval all the way up into the sort of the eighteenth century. Um, you get a mishmash of road surfaces, uh, you've got mud, you've got occasionally like nice uh, bits of cobble, but only outside of grander of estate houses. And it was down to essentially the landowners, what they would put where. Okay. Right? You've got um, uh, uh, the only sort of like building regulations that come in are in the, sort of the 17th century that are just like, don't build the buildings too close together. But apart from that, everything's a bit higgledy-piggledy. The roads are small, thin, narrow. It's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. It's what happens when you organically allow a place to grow and someone just moves in next door and goes, I'm just going to build my house. If only there was a civilization that had kind of addressed this problem really early on. You're a big fan of Romans? Big fan of Romans. Big fan of Romans. <laughs> you know this. I do know this. Like, obsessed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we, we, we let Rome have a go at London, and then we thought, no, no, spirals. But they did it very well. We want more spirals. Say, they did it really well. And we want more roads that meander to nothing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, cul-de-sacs, what, are they? what is that? Cul-de-sacs? Oh. Well, quite strange that you should talk about cul-de-sacs, because this is all built around a cul-de-sac. Ugh, the worst. <laughs> no one has strong opinions about cul-de-sac. Well, here I am. So this is particularly called Craig's Court, which is a very small oh, dead end street. Name for in Craig's Craig's Craig's, Craig's Court. Court. 
uh, so named for Joseph Craig, who uh, built various uh, buildings in that area, but not the person that we are interested in. Okay. We are more interested in William Stanhope, the first old, uh, oh, the first Earl of Harrington. He wanted to keep his hand in with what was going on at Parliament, basically. Um, And his idea was, uh, how do I look important to Parliament? And how do I... Big wig. Big wig. Or just build a massive house right next to Westminster. That too. Yes. Or big wig, which is the one you want to go with. (laughs) But I'm going to show you a picture of it, which doesn't work for the... uh, audio but you can put it on uh, instagram later okay i'll give you my reaction as i look at it so this is harrington house which is hiding <gasps> wow oh my god that's the most incredible thing i've ever seen it's a nice house yeah, yeah it's, it's a very nice, nice house. house but that's actually in whitehall have you seen it if i said yes would that help no <laughs> no <laughs> i haven't. haven't seen it most people don't know it's there because it it's really in a is... bloody cul-de-sac yeah, so it's tucked around the back um whilst it opens up into quite a nice big uh Square, there's a very narrow road mm. leading into it. There our story begins. Hands getting very close to my face there. It was a j- adventure hands. <laughs> Can you adventure hand a little closer to your own personal Arthur face? Onslow, <laughs> the yeah. Speaker of the House, yeah. decides to go and visit the Earl during like a lunch break in Parliament. Okay. And because uh, the Earl's house is let's say a five minute walk from uh, Westminster uh, he decides to take his carriage because he's an 18th century gentleman and they enjoy being tubby right? who doesn't to be fair loves being tubby <laughs> little tubster chubby little face <laughs> chubby little cheeks which ones both of them alright so he takes his carriage to go and visit the Earl Yeah. which is where he should have walked because as they turn into Craig's Court, unfortunately, the grand carriage of the Speaker of the House gets stuck between the walls, both sides. Oh, because shoddy... Like, because there is... Shoddy street surface. Sh- not just shoddy street surface, but there is no um, sort of demarcation between road and anything else. So the houses are just built at whatever distance they want apart uh, away from each other. Oh. And... His carriage becomes wedged between... That is awkward. Yeah. I hate when that happens. It's wedged between the two buildings either side. I always get wedged between two buildings. Yes. So it's wedged hard. Those horses are pulling as hard as they can, but they cannot get him out. Because they've wedged him so hard, they can't pull him back the other way. I know. It's a typical wedge situation. It's a real wedge situation. (laughs) Where are the doors on a carriage? They're on the sides, Paul. They are on the sides. How does the Speaker of Parliament get out of his carriage? Window at the back? Nope. Little hatch at the top? Not a hatch. Someone had to come and cut his carriage open. (laughs) No way. Yeah. They had to (laughs) cut the roof open on the carriage. Isn't the Speaker's carriage quite a big deal? Well, now it's got a a really early sunroof. So so they had to cut it open. Got the tap down. (laughs) People are gathering. Because yeah, it is yeah, a weird thing. So they're like, what's going on here? Oh, scandal, scandal, scandal. Like, actually, scandal, 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 scandal. He's a portly man, so when you cut him out the Did roof... Did he get wedged in the in the pole? No, but he does, from some accounts, tumble to the floor <laughs> as he tries to get out. It's like a bad comedy sketch. Yes, basically. It's embarrassing for him. So he gets back to Parliament Funny. and bad. very quickly uh, pushes through legislation 
saying that all ha uh, uh, homeowners, all uh, landowners, ha are now responsible for putting curbstones, pavements, outside their property. The thought process being that if there is to be now paving there as standard, yeah. there would have been space for him, that the roads would have had to be made wider oh. and there would have been space for him to open the door and sneak out. Maybe he just shouldn't have such a big carriage. Maybe he shouldn't have maybe, such a big maybe carriage. Maybe he should be open safety. <laughs> <laughs> or carriage, maybe no he should walk the... 15 minutes, not even 55 minutes down the road to get to the place. But he's got like fancy high heel shoes on, hasn't he? Uh, <laughs> do what everyone does with high heel shoes. Carry them until you get to the place. <laughs> I'd love to see the speaker in Parliament with his big wig on just running down the road with his high heels to see the Earl. <laughs> I've had a big night, Sandra. <laughs> so that there's some extra little interesting bits. Directly opposite Craig's core is the Admiralty. Okay. And by a weird, like, earlier law, um, uh, Elizabethan, it, everything owned by the um, Admiralty has to be stamped with sort of like um, like an arrow shape to denote that it's owned by the Admiralty. Okay. But because it was every landowner had to make the pavements, you still end up with this, like, the, a vastly different paving. Either you get what is bare minimum for someone who's like, fine, I'll put a pavement yeah. out. Or in the case of the Admiralty, you get a Fancy. very wide, very massive sort oh, wait, of. So like, are they all stamped with. And it, you can still. The stamp is on the pavement of the Craig's Court. So you can see what was owned by the Admiralty. That's cool. Yeah. In a slightly similar way, have you ever. Outside the Athenaeum, mm -hmm. there, I think so. Um, there's like some stone blocks yeah. that you can see. And um, apparently that's from when the Duke of Wellington. Wanted because he was in the sixties. It was a bit harder for him to get off his horse. Oh, so right. they're like mounting blocks, and wow. they're still there now. Yeah, oh, that's really that's cool. Really nice. I'll put I'll put a picture on Instagram. That'd be nice. That would be very nice. Mm. Excellent. So that's the end of my little piece on where the pavements of London came. From. Well, actually, I found a little little side fact. Oh, little side fact. Um, that there was a, a parliamentary act called the Metropolitan Police Act of eighteen thirty nine. Which actually directly affected pavements because section 54 has a long list of nuisances by persons in thoroughfares, which, if you break, you can be taken into custody and fined. And I think they're still in force today. Yeah, yeah. So, examples include selling or distributing. Distributing? Yeah. Distributing. Distributing's also. Okay, fine. Profane, indecent, or obscene books. Ooh. No naughties. Uh, wantonly disturbing people by ringing their doorbells. Yeah. Making slides upon ice or snow to the danger of pedestrians. So you're not allowed to slide on ice, yeah. basically. And you're not allowed to carry planks of wood along the pavement either. Oh, wow. Oh, so you'd like no silent movies could be filmed. <laughs> Hanging out. Yeah. Nudie leaflets. Yeah. Also, uh, 19th century laws. My absolute favourite thing about policing laws is the sheer number of times they use wanton and wanton. Wanton, yeah. It's, it, it accounts for my favourite uh, criminal offence, which is wanton and furious driving. Yeah, that's this That's this act. That's that one? Yeah, it's the same one. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Someone who wrote it was like, wanton. <laughs> I just want my wantons. I was about to say, maybe they were just really peckish. <laughs> Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> wanton driving. Where is my delivery? <laughs> So that's on the streets. Mm. Shall I do under the tents? Oh yes, please. 
I did not like that. No, but no. it's happened. No, don't do that again. My fact about Under the Thames is that the world's first submarine was publicly tested in the Thames in 1624. What? I know that, okay. Comedy aside, that yeah, is ludicrously early. That is early. actually really early. Yeah, thank you. So the guy who How invented it... How many people it, died? None. It was completely what? successful. So the guy who invented it was called Cornelis Jacobsoon Jacobsoon Drebbel. Henceforth referred to in this podcast as Drebbel for obvious reasons. Um, he, so he was a Dutch inventor who, and he was basically like the Edison of his day. Like he was inventing mad stuff. Yeah. Way ahead of his time. Yeah. So... Uh, so he actually started out as an apprentice um, to a painter and engraver who introduced him to alchemy, which I love. I wish alchemy. I wish you could still be an alchemist. Uh, you can. Uh, you just have to have a website and confidence. <laughs> um, but he made a load of different inventions. So these are some of his inventions that he made. An mm. egg incubator with self-regulating temperature. Oh. I'm going to warn you now. He pretty much cornered the market on temperature-themed inventions. Okay. <laughs> um, a portable oven with regulating temperature. I see. An early form of air conditioning. Oh. Um, and he also developed predecessors of the thermometer and barometer. Was that guy, like, always hot or cold? Like, he, he, that seems like someone who's never got the right number of coats like in the on. the Netherlands. I don't think it's too bad either way. Um, but he was also a very talented engraver, and he's mm. got some really beautiful artwork that he did on copper plate. So these inventions obviously attracted quite a lot of attention, um, and Drebbel was invited to move to the court of King James I, which you can't really turn down. No, so, no, um, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm a good time. Yeah. Uh, so he did that in around 1604, and he continued to invent uh, with King James I as his kind of patron, mm-hmm. um, and he, this included a perpetual motion clock. So he was kind of like, A I'm perpetual done. motion clock. So don't not, quiz me on it. But that's not physically possible. Oh, I don't know. He's into his... Made up. Stick with your your no. hot air, mate. Yeah, stick with your hot air, not your breaking thermodynamics. I don't know. The website said it was a perpetual motion clock. It's not possible. Anyway, <laughs> he should know that. Let's he, move he's on losing to... energy through heat. Let's move on. Yeah. To the thing that he was most famous for. Yeah, a perpetual motion no. submarine. He did it's invent still going to this day. And build the world's first navigable submarine in 1620. I, just quickly. Yeah. Does that mean that there was an unnavigable submarine? <laughs> well, I guess that's just something that sinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't throw a rock in the Thames and go, right? But I think also that you could direct. Ah, yeah. Um, so I've actually seen kind of like, because there's like an engraving of it. Um, and it looks basically like a wooden walnut. Um, and so it's got six oars kind of sticking out the side, mm-hmm. so that's how they could navigate. Yes. Um, and it could carry 16 people. Wow. And the actual way that it works is incredible. So under the rower's seats were kind of pigskin bladders. Yeah. Um, and they were connected to the outside of the submarine by pipes, which were tied off with rope. So then when they wanted to dive, they would untie the rope, let the bladders fill with water, and that would make the boat sink. And then when they wanted to surface, they'd just squeeze the bladders, the water would come out and it would rise again. Just think how much, they'd actually have to be like, three, two, one, now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because if you did that wrong, one side goes up into the air. Yeah, that's quite bad. Yeah. It's just really impressive. That's in 1620. Yeah. How people didn't think, well, that's witchcraft, obviously. (laughs) I don't know how he got away with it. Ah, not a woman. That'll be why then. Yeah. 
Um, so he demonstrated the submarine four mm. years later in the Thames in front of thousands of Londoners. Um, and the submarine stayed underwater for three hours. Wow. I know. Um, and it went from Westminster to Richmond and back again. Wow, that's actually it's really, really impressive. Cool. Um, and the really cool bit is that he even took King James I on a test drive, which made James I the first monarch ever to travel underwater. <laughs> Isn't that cool? In that the is Thames. very cool. Um, um, Canute? Oh, no, he didn't travel. He just ended up underwater. <laughs> Get back sea. Oh. <laughs> Push those pigskin bladders. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the funny thing also is that Dreble proposed the idea to the Royal Navy. Yeah. Um, but apparently they didn't think it had potential for use in combat, so they didn't explore the idea. They didn't think a submarine would be... Useful. No. Well, I could, maybe I can see their point. I mean, it's quite... Um, it would be good for kind of like sneaking up on yeah. people. As long as there's water around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they're the Navy, that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, there's just... Six oars dragging this thing across the ground. <laughs> no, I don't see the. I don't see how this works, really. Okay, but the navy. Yeah. That's what they do is water stuff, isn't they it? They do water stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think that's quite funny that they were like, mm, I don't really see how submarines are ever going to be used in combat. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait a minute. <laughs> um, but hey, Dribble had a lunar crater named after him, so he did get some fame in the end. Good. Go. And if you look at that lunar crater, you can see a perpetual submarine dragging oh, it away. Leave it out. <laughs> right, I think that's pretty much it for our episode. Should we do some we Yeah. Quick fire Well before we go on to quick fire facts, I know we have to tell people what we do. But the pew pew is my favourite bit of the whole podcast. Well we all know that it's coming, so let's just okay. enjoy the sort of the tantric moment of pew pew. <laughs> Uh, but before that, um, we also offer a walking tours of London. Uh, they're themed. We have one based on Roman London, one based on death, and one based on theatres and performance spaces within London. We're looking to add to that roster. We also were going to be running another pub quiz based around uh, facts or, uh, uh, of London. Uh, we had a really successful time. It was really good, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're looking forward to doing it again. Um, and we have, as we've mentioned in this episode, uh, Instagram, where you can see various extra facts and some of the information, some pictures of things that we've discussed in these episodes. And finally, and very usefully, if you have enjoyed the podcast that you are listening to, please do rate, review, and share and subscribe. Um, all of those things are wonderful, but really the most important thing that you can do is to tell someone uh, who you think might enjoy it about the podcast and get it to spread that would be superb thank you very much and Brilliant. so i think it's time for us to end the episode no no <laughs> fine it's time for quick fire facts pew pew <laughs> i've had too much coca-cola this afternoon mm-hmm. um okay so Whilst he was mayor of London, Ken Livingston made it illegal to feed the pigeons in Trafalgar Square because of all the pooping. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then my quick fire fact. Pew pew! Yay! Uh, the jigsaw puzzle was created in 1761 by a London map maker and engraver who wanted to find a way to teach children geography. Oh, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Cute. Cute. All right. Let's wrap this up. Ciao! <laughs> and until next time we hope you find something interesting in your area bye bye
Arrivederci! Oh no! <ride> You've been listening to the Under London's Ground podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Under London's Ground and on our website, unsurprisingly, Under London's Ground, where you can book to have a tour of London given to you by an archaeologist. The music you've listened to through this podcast was provided by Brown Boots. Check them out if you can. <laughs>